Hello and welcome to episode 222 of Effect, the year in review. My name is Matthew. And I'm Dave. And welcome to the first show of 2024, which, as I'm sure you can tell, our clever listeners, uh, you know, wouldn't miss a trick. The uh, the title kind of gives away a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> so, um, the year in review. Yes, we're re- reviewing 1861. And um, <laughs> now, so today's episode, we are going to have a little look back on uh, 2023 in the world of gaming. We've got uh, a lovely group of our patrons came on the show, um, are coming on the show, and we'll be talking about their um, uh, their thoughts on 2023. Obviously, we've got our usual world of gaming section. We've got a few things to talk about in there. A couple of patrons to um, to thank for coming on board, and. That's going to be the, the the bumper crop of New Year presents that you get today from me and Matthew on the show. Cool. Um, and one of the interesting things I noticed uh, about our new patrons, shall we go straight on to new patrons? Go on then. Go on then. Because I have an interesting thing about new patrons. So I just want to thank um, two new patrons, one of which is Kevin Campion. Thank you very much, who we've already seen Indeed. in the... In the in the in, in the, the Discord, Discord, the nicest place in the internet. Uh, and the other one is uh, I, I don't know their real name, uh, but their their handle, as it were, is Broken Witch. And Broken um, Witch or Brocken Witch? Brocken Witch, actually, you're quite right. Well, get it yes, right. Brocken with a C and a K. Yeah. And um, they've been members before. We don't normally thank returning members, but um, I just happened to be um, uh, going through something else on. Patron, and I noticed that they they'd been members in April. So, um, cool. so welcome back, welcome Rock back. And Witch. Yes, lovely to have and, you both and, with us. Thank you for supporting us as always. And come and join us uh, in the loveliest place on the internet on our Discord. We've we've had some great fun, and indeed, most of this content's program, this program's content, <laughs> comes from uh, that community of Discordian patrons. They're, they're, that is one of uh, the best things about having fabulous patrons and uh, and friends of the show is that sometimes when we need to fill up some content we could just call on them and they do all the work for us <laughs> it's great <laughs> no 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 they actually asked it doug because doug reminded me that last year for our christmas episode where well actually now the year before last for our christmas episode yes um last year that is the christmas just gone we put out a christmas episode of you and me talking about um uh uh, Tales of the Old West from one yep. of our earliest meetings about that. But the year before that, for Christmas Day, we had put out, or Christmas Eve, I can't quite remember, um, a year in review episode, which um, Doug was a relatively new patron then and thoroughly enjoyed it. And mm. after we announced that we'd be doing an, a year in review this time, he came to me and he said, oh, are you not going to invite us patrons? <laughs> so but I we, thought, well, we had to invite the patrons. Well, we were thinking of inviting the patrons anyway. Um, yeah. But uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think entirely reasonable that if um, if any of our patrons or any of our listeners have got a good idea, they should come to us with it, especially if it yeah. means we have to do less work, which is cool. Yeah. And um, this may be a good time to remind our listeners or oh, have another reminder for our listeners. Don't let me forget that other reminder. I'll remind you of the reminder, but you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you want to remind people of something. You can contact us on if uh, on feedback at effectpodcast.org, effect with a K, with of course. A K, yep. And all one word. Um, 
And yeah, if you do have a good idea for any content, send us an email. Or if you've got a question to ask us about any of the games we talk about or any of the games that Dave has worked on. Now that's getting Ooh. into quite a large library now. Is, oh, I got yeah. my copy of um, Building Better Worlds, by the way, Dave. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. I, I got a second copy turn up. <laughs> oh, well, you need it. That's your podcast reviewer's copy. So yes. I hope you give it a good review. <laughs> hmm, maybe we should do that at the next show. <laughs> I'm being particularly harsh on it. I don't think this new writing they've got is worth much. Do you not? <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah, well, it nah. just shows what your judgment's like, doesn't it? So, and, and did you see most of his family are the blooming playtesters? <laughs> there is a bit of a cartel going on in playtesting for Asia. Yeah. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, uh, it's, a good, it's a good group. It's a good group of playtesters. They, um, they don't let me get away with very much or anything, in fact. <laughs> so, Morgan... Um, specifically likes to find something and break it, if you can, in the game. Well, that, not, ju- not just genuinely. That's what you want. You but, want yeah. people breaking the game, don't you? Precisely. So that you can... Yeah, brilliant. Indeed. Um, so I think this is all part of our thanking our new patrons. Uh, so, so thank you again, uh, Brock and Witch and Kevin Campion. What's yes. happening in the world of gaming? Mm, what's happening? Well, I mean, there, there's a couple of less happy things going on so um, mm. right before christmas um evil genius laid off a load of staff i haven't looked into that in great detail do you know more about that but i mean it, it, it's great it's bad timing for starters yeah um, uh, i mean this seems to happen in american corporations a lot mm. that they always seem to be because you know watsi did it a little bit earlier didn't they, they? did um, they did and, there and, and again, it was thing. that was kind of like what a week before Christmas, two weeks before Christmas, yeah. and they laid off what a thousand people. Um, you know, yeah, that's, that's a lot of you know. I mean, blimey, I mean, including yeah, I mean, a good chunk of the D and D crew. Yeah, and a good chunk of you know long-standing senior D and D crew who've been involved in it for a long time. Mm. It's um, yeah, it's it's a uh, yes. I think you're right. It's it's very much a a corporate culture that I'm sure happens over here in the UK and elsewhere as well, but just seems to be, I don't know, more, more in sharp, you know, in, in, in very sharp relief in the US, particularly I, yeah, I, when you I, do I, it I just, in that kind of way. I, I just wonder whether uh, in American law or American accounting, there's something about the new calendar year starting that, that means it's a crunch point for everybody. Mm. Whereas in, English accounting, at least, you know, the new calendar year, the new financial year is kind of in line with our tax end of March, beginning of April, um, which is historical fact here. In fact, um, the middle of March used to be the new year back in olden days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So our accounting year is like the old new year. Anyway, uh, you know, so maybe maybe there's something that happens in accounting in America around Christmas time that means that that's when really hard decisions have to be made. But it does seem incredibly uh, poor poor Christmas present to get. Oh, your, terrible, isn't your it? Your pink slip. And, and I think also um, you know, in, in the US, the 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 rules around hiring and firing are diff- very different to here in the mm. UK. So it's very easy to fire people. Um, yeah. Uh, whereas in the UK, certainly at a corporate level, it's it's, it's much much harder. There are hoops to yes. go through. 
before you can. They would have had somebody. to have been a consultation first and all yeah, sorts of exactly. stuff. So people would have plenty, much more warning. I think. Well, and, and it's different because this is firing; it's not being made redundant. You know, it's um, it's a different it's a different kettle of fish. Yeah, and well, said, yeah, it's um, you know, if if you're if you're doing a round of redundancies here in the UK, it would take you a year or more as a company yes. to do that. Because of all the processes you've got to go through. Anyway, this isn't talking I, about gaming. <laughs> but I think the difference between Watsy and um, and Evil Genius is, I think Evil Genius is just folding. Um, is it? Yeah, I think so. Although this announcement did arrive at the same time that they did a big uh, backer kit, so you could get all their games yeah. on PDF for a low down price. Um, remember, we talked today from Evil Genius a year or two ago, just yeah. when we were starting the company up, and um, seemed like a nice guy, but very business orientated. Yes. He wasn't the gamer, was he? No. He, no, he no. was employing gamers to do it. He was somebody who saw an opportunity in that licensing thing. And the other thing that's coincidental with this, of course, is a few months back, we heard that there was a disagreement between him and Netflix and um, Zack Snyder. I don't know... I'm not. I'm not saying oh, where yeah. the disagreement yeah. was, but yeah. but there there were legal Re rumblings Rebel over Rebel Moon. Moon. Yeah, um, yeah, and that, that that looked like it was quite a big big hit because that got the game got pulled rather. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, with with um, unceremoniously. Unceremoniously, thank you. That was what I was looking for. Yeah, so that yeah that might well have had a big impact on them. But I mean, I mean, yeah, and the, I mean, Everyday Heroes is is kind of their. Yeah, the the multi franchise, multi IP game. Now I haven't mm. played it, but it, I mean, immediately when they were advertising it, when it first came out, what a couple of years ago now, maybe. Um, yeah. Immediately, I, I thought this is kind of scattergunning a lot of mm. a lot of um, IPs that quite probably deserve significantly more attention and love. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'd be interested to hear from anybody who's played any of them. Whether whether they think the um, you know the rule system is any good and the, the game itself is 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 you know, would stand on its own two feet, um, but I haven't had anyone talking about any of them or any of the IPs that they've they've published with um, about how great it is. Yeah, now, um, and um, look I, into that a bit from what I remember of our interview, uh, the the core system of Everyday Heroes is D and D three point five modernized. Yeah, and made slightly like more like a modern day version of fifth edition. Um, so of course, um, the other thing that I know you talk about the the open gaming license controversy will have will have upset them at some point as well. That would have maybe put your man Dave's investors in a bit of a tiz that um, yeah they might have lost that. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, enough talking about sad things like that. Um, <laughs> AI. Let us talk about AI in illustration. Well, this um, is this is also well, this is also a slightly sad thing um, in that it's indicative, I think, of the way the market has gone or the industry has gone. Um, so, Nightfall Games just before Christmas um, were being heckled a bit, I think, by their fans about why it was taking them so long to get the Terminator Two supplement for their Terminator role-playing game out in the world. And they came out and said, well, we've had a slight problem because one of our artists we've discovered has been using AI um, in his art uh, when you know, that wasn't what they wanted. Um, 
And so they had to pull that artwork and, and source fresh art, artwork to, to, to replace those bits of work. And so that put it behind. But it raised an interesting question, which is, you know, how easy is it for someone, for a publisher to be able to spot an artist who is claiming not to be using AI, but is then actually using AI? I don't know how they spotted this person. Mm. Um, and how they then proved, you know, does, does it just become your word against theirs? Um, but it's it, it's good. I mean, good on Nightfall for sticking to their guns, even at a, you know, when the, when the situation occurred at a spot that was probably about as bad for them as it could have been, um, you know, when they were just about to publish the game or put the game out. Um, good on Nightfall for sticking to their guns and saying, right, sorry, everyone, this is going to be late because we've got this problem to fix. So I think... Um, mm. Pat on the back for Nightfall Games for doing that. Yeah, it's interesting because um, only only yesterday I was uh, looking around for a potential artist for Tales of the Old West, mm. and I found a number of images that I thought, well, oh, you know, this person's quite good. It's a little bit like Dave likes, not quite the style I like, but more like more, more like some of your favourite bits of art. So I thought, oh. Yeah. Let's delve into this person a bit more, and it was um, a woman, or at least presenting as a woman. And so, but then, then when I looked at their portfolio, their wider portfolio, I realised, despite the fact that they were boldly claiming no AI, there were an awful lot of pictures that looked an awful lot to me like AI-generated portraits of um, women. You know, yeah. there's a certain sameness i feel um to a bunch of ai and a certain spurious detail sometimes in the science fiction bits that immediately made me think no i'm i'm not trusting this person as an artist right and so it's what... very easy to say no ai um and actually be using uh, i think ai image generation yeah, I mean, like I say, it, it could easily become, because I don't know if there's a technical way that someone could analyse an image and then say, yeah, aha, there's, there's the signature that it's AI. Um, and, yeah, and it's very easy yeah. to, it's very easy to capture an AI picture if, you know, if the person in it's got six fingers or something. But I guess exactly. AI, AI art isn't doing that so much anymore. It's becoming more No, more it's refined, getting better. More powerful, yeah. Um, and, so, I, you know, I, I think there's a deeper question as well. I, you know, this time last year, I was dead against AI and I am still dead against it, you know, as a trained artist. But there's going to come a point where where it's just going to be a tool. It's like being dead against pencils or something, I feel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, that I don't know. I think there's a there's a thing about real artists will use AI responsibly and um, AI charlatans will churn out a bunch of stuff to fill their portfolio. But it's going to be a really interesting time coming up ahead and I'm not sure that the no AI rule is going to going to stick. No, I, 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 um, I never thought it would last in the long run because it's just mm. going to be so ubiquitous. But I think it's like you say, I think if you're an artist and you're creating your own work, but you then use AI to do things with your own work that you couldn't do otherwise, then that's fine. Like you say, it's a tool. It's like a pencil or you know a brush. Mm. If you are taking AI art to create the, the base image and that is then ripping off other artwork, which is then not getting credited and paid for their, for their work, then that's, that's wrong. But then yeah. you know, the question is, how can you tell the difference between the two? 
and uh, I, 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 don't, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, maybe you can't because you know yeah. AI is learning from all the other artists. So yeah. it kind of feels that maybe the only solution is a universal income for artists. Yeah. <laughs> you know from uh, so that they that they are getting paid back for the for the bots ripping off ripping off their original work. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's too long a discussion for us to have in this, the preamble for this episode. Um, (laughs) Yes. But anyway, Um, good good on Nightfall for sticking to their guns anyway in that one. Okay. Well, I don't know whether you discuss. So we ought to explain to our listeners. I was going to be on the year in review, but. I was stuck on a train going nowhere because, well, in fact, I wasn't even stuck on a train. I was stuck on a railway platform watching incredibly full trains go past because very few trains were actually going anywhere at all because we had a very windy day um, on the day that we decided to record the, um, the, the, the discussion. So I wasn't there. Sure. And I don't know everything that was discussed, but... Did you talk at all about Free League's new website? Uh, it was mentioned. We didn't talk about it in detail, but it was mentioned as being a, a lovely thing. Okay. I So the, the thing that I would have talked about had I been there is the fact that Free League, through, as is evidenced by their website, are wholeheartedly embracing three modes of play, being at the table, which we prefer, yeah. Uh, online, which we've had a lot of fun doing since lockdown, and solo play, yeah. which I don't think you or I have done much of at all. But but there's a huge demand for solo play, and it strikes me that you know they're kind of making a statement with their website that you know everything they produce now will come in those three modes. So mm. there will be support for solo play. There will be support for um, uh, for yeah. tabletop stuff. Um, although actually roll, we ought to maybe add roll to our list of world of gaming stuff. Um, let's stick that on the end. Uh, anyway, I just brought that up because uh, I noticed a game that was dedicated to solo play called Cyan Starlight, and it's uh, on Kickstarter at the moment. I haven't looked into it too deeply, but I think it may be an interesting thing that the that Free League have said. Okay, there are these three ways of playing role playing games. Um, I'm in my head. I still struggle with the idea of a role playing game being a solo activity. Yeah, um, but no, I, but I, you know, I, it's interesting. Like, like you say, solo, <clears throat> solo, solo role playing has become very much a thing recently, and I, uh, and and you know more so than just the fighting fantasy style books, which you know we've all we've all read and played those you know at some point but many 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 years ago in, in in my in my case and like yeah yeah i mean i'm i i will never play a role-playing game solo i don't know tabletop role-playing game solo um i guess you know I, i'm lucky enough that i've got people around you know i've got a couple of groups that i game with face to face i've got more opportunities than i could possibly cope with um to play online which i do very rarely actually these days um so I'm lucky in that sense, and I, I totally get that many people aren't as lucky as I am in that in that case. So if I was in a position where I didn't have someone to, to game with, I might well look to to, to play solo. But it, it feels it, it's not it's not what you know it's not what a role playing game is for me <clears throat> uh, in that sense. 
But I mean, I've never really spoken to anyone who's played a lot of solos, solo role playing, and and got their perspective. I mean, mm. I'm, I'm 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 assuming, and this is a a assumption, and I'll you know I'll, I'll say that particularly, um, I'm assuming that people who play solo would probably say, well, I'd much rather be playing in a group, but I just don't have the chance. So, yeah. you know, um, I could be wrong. I, I mean, there, there may well be people who they prefer prefer just a game with themselves, which is fine. But, um, yeah, is, is, yeah. It kind of, is it kind of like the, the, the poor sibling of proper role-playing? And I don't, you know, I say that, I don't mean to offend anybody by saying that. It just feels to me that a role-playing game is, is something you should be, playing with other people because it's like a performative game and to do that you need other people to perform with i'm guessing yeah and and well i mean i i imagine i see i bought myself uh the captain's log which is the solo version of star trek adventures yeah um and uh i bought myself the uh the original series era version that comes in a different cover Cool. For each of the periods, although I think the content is exactly the same on the inside. Right. So <clears> I, you know, I'm just looking through a, a list of ships, and it covers, uh, you know, each of the eras. So I imagine uh, that yeah. it's just one book, but with um, with different things in. Anyway, um, so I haven't sat down to play it partly because I haven't got time, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe that's the thing. Maybe there, there are people who are. Um, I don't want to say friend poor, but time rich. I, know, I, was, just, I, was, poor, I was thinking that. It's like, okay, how are you going to say this one without offending <laughs> yeah. So we've now both offended everybody who solo yeah. plays. That's a good, <laughs> That's a good, good place but, to be. But I do wonder whether, you know, uh, we should give it a go. I should try and use the, that book and, 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 and talk about it, you know, and, and, and discover the joy of it. Uh, but also maybe we should put out an appeal now that if there are any listeners of the show who are solo players who enjoy, mm. have enjoyed the, you know, the solo variants that um, Free League has been putting out for, for some of their major games, drop us a line on our social media or in the email that we mentioned earlier on, which is feedback at effectpodcast.org with a K. Um uh, drop us a line and maybe we could have you on the show and record a session with you, uh, 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 players in her mam, talking specifically about s- solo play. I think, I think that's that a great idea, fun. yeah. Because it is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. There's more and more of it. As I say, Free League are now adding, a bit, you know, have been for a while adding solo rules to their games. And, and as you see on their website, it looks like they will be putting solo rules in, in, in all the games they, they put out now. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea. It'd be interesting to learn a bit more about you know, the played experience of a solo role-playing game. Yeah. And, um, uh, it, it, it takes us nicely to the other thing that I thought we ought to quickly mention. So role, which is playroll.com, which is one of the platforms, one of the, um, online platforms that I really enjoyed when it started. This was a, seems this is a, to this be, is a kickstart that you, Backed, wasn't it a couple of years ago? I kickstarted it, yeah, yeah, and I liked it because it doesn't do any of the shit with maps that I, I, I really don't, don't enjoy. Yeah, it was just about putting people on on the screen, like you're trying to create a virtual table, not a virtual tabletop, but having people around the virtual table that you can all play yeah. with, and it front and centered the individual action of your other 
players, the thing that, you know, we, we see struggling in solo play. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the time, uh, I think, I can't remember who it was, but one of our patrons, may have been Andy Brick, may have been somebody else, was saying, oh, well, because it came out at roughly the same time that Albert Rodeo was yes. yeah. rising to prominence. And that takes exactly the opposite approach. That's all about maps and not about uh, doing anything in terms of voice and, and, and video. You use another channel to do your voice and video and, and this is a way of showing the maps mm. and and now the latest news from Roll seems to be that they're scrapping their voice and video and working more closely with Albert Rodeo okay um which seems counterintuitive to me I mean if you, if you suddenly realize oh no maps are important in virtual tabletop play which I'm pretty sure I disagree with but anyway that that's about why would you stop doing your voice and video Except for the fact I think it's probably quite hard. But mm. I think we're seeing the beginning of the demise of Roll uh, as a virtual tabletop. As a um, platform. Or definitely as the virtual, as if you like, my preferred virtual tabletop. Yeah. Um, so, so is that a sign then that Roll's strategic approach at the start was wrong? And that the vast majority I think it might have been, yeah. of VTT users I mean, actually want the maps and the, the, all the colourful graphics and, and images that you get with it. Yeah, and don't want to look at each other's faces while they're talking. No. Um, but I mean, because I, I mean, again, I, I'm not, I'm not very experienced on VTTs. I've played, I've, I've never used any, but I've, as in, as in, been kind of the moderator of it. I've used them as a player when somebody else has been running it, and I, mm. I often find that the maps and moving tokens around on the maps completely takes away from the, the immersion and the actual role playing of the game, and like you, I. You know, maps are useful sometimes, and you know we will in our games around the table we will draw. We will have some maps that we will draw, um, but usually there are a couple of pencil lines on a blank piece of paper with a couple of crosses on it, simply to help encourage that theatre of the mind. When mm. when it when it goes such a long way into, I mean, and some of them, I mean, some of the graphics, some of the, the maps that these VTTs produce are are beautiful, um, and have got a lot of, you know, a lot of good kind of. Uh, uh, you know, thing, you know, um, functionality that comes with them. Some of the fog of war and stuff, which again, I don't think always works, but it's a it's a decent mm. idea. Um, you know, it, it just takes away from the role playing, and you, you spend too much time trying to fiddle about moving your counter and things. So, um, it's a pity, yeah, because I think you know. I mean, I mean, I say that. I say it's a pity. I mean, if Roll is now <clears throat> going onto the, you know, the, the maps side of things in an effort to try and maybe preserve its, you know, its its future. I mean, is is there, you know, can you not just use things like Albert Radio or Foundry or whatever, and just not bother with the maps so much? No, yeah. So it's I down, it's down to the user that. to decide how much map they want to have in their game. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, uh, I've converted Thomas, again one of our patrons, to StreamYard as mm, yeah. uh, a, a way of talking and also, of course, very easy streaming. And what we do, in, um, if you if you watch a couple of last streams that we posted on the Free League YouTube channel, which hasn't got a lot of love while I've been at full-time work and you've been writing games, yeah. but um, we did put a couple of streams up of uh, the Versen game, well, Versen... Oh, how do we describe it? 
Um, Harlem Unbound, Unbound yeah. in the verse and rules set, I think, game that we're running. Uh, and there we're using StreamYard, but we're also using Foundry. And Foundry is great at rolling dice, great at keeping character sheets and great at maps. But actually, we hardly ever use the maps there. Mm. Maybe a couple of times in the, in, in the two hours that we play, um, uh, Thomas may switch the the uh, StreamYard screen of all our faces to push us over to the side and put a map up or an image of something we're looking at. Uh, but in fact, most of the time, we we don't use the virtual tabletop bit of Foundry. We're, we're there looking at each other. And maybe that's the solution. And maybe that's the demise of role in that you've got something like StreamYard, which... I mean, we pay for due to the generosity of our patrons. Yeah. Uh, but, but you can actually do StreamYard for free as well. Um, the, the free accounts, as long as you're ready to be branded StreamYard, which is, you know, for people who are playing and not streaming is absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe that's the way to go. And mm. I just get my head around Foundry. And some of the stuff that they make on Foundry is really solid. Um, you know, yeah. we know, again, we've got patrons like... Uh, uh, Paul, who who does all the alien stuff on Foundry for um, Free League, yeah, for Free League, and it's a really solid iteration. And you know, better, cleverer people than I have learned how to do pushing dice and things like that. I've got to say, the game that you're involved in, War Stories, is immensely easier on Foundry <laughs> because uh, it does the maths and the dice rolling that uh, that that might get in the way if we were rolling our dice uh, on the role playing but it but you know it, it fades into the background and of course yeah. there in that kind of slightly more tactical rpg it is useful to have the maps actually so yes. um yeah so there foundry works yeah. really well but i think i think yeah, when we're more definitely a game where you know like i said it's it's a, it's a tactical there is a tactical element to the game and for that yeah. you do need to be able to have the maps but again, I think there's a difference. Um, I, was, I was just thinking whilst you were talking there that um, you know, I, I, you know, maps can be very useful. But I think you know, for me, I would I want a map that appears there so I can look at it and get a sense of the environment that my character is acting within. Um, I don't need to be able to zoom into every bit of it or put my token or hide my token behind a tree or, you know, any of that stuff. Yeah. Because you can say yeah. I'm doing that, you know. I'm um, hiding behind a tree, you can say. Precisely. And yeah, also, so. uh, for me, you know, with, with Feng, Feng Shui was the game that said maps limit your imagination. Yeah. Feng Shui. Uh, <laughs> maps limit your imagination because you then go, oh, is there a tree I can hide behind? And... Yeah, you know, if you if you're a stickler for the map, no, you're nowhere near a tree. Whereas in in the theatre of the mind, of course, there's a tree you can hide behind. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, or maybe not. Maybe I'm just going to kill you, Dave, because that's what <laughs> I want to do. It's fair enough. Darkness point spend. No, there are no trees. <laughs> yeah, but you shouldn't have to spend darkness points to say there are no trees in my book. <laughs> if it helps the game become more exciting and and, and more tense. Uh, you know, with there being no tree, I'm not going to sit there going, oh, shit, there's a tree because I don't have any darkness points to spend to get rid of the trees. Uh, anyway, we've had that conversation yes. many times. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Moving yeah. on. Uh, so where, yeah, so that, that was a little aside there that went off. Um, I'm sure there's something else. Yeah, so we've, we've done roll. Um, Ruins of Simbaroom. Uh, some new books coming out for the 5e version of Simbaroom. 
Now, as yep. far as I can work out, I'm not particularly familiar. There's one book of the campaign which actually covers about three supplements in the original campaign, as I understand it. We'll put links in the show notes to all this. Yeah. I and then I another book. I haven't looked particularly. Um, but you know, are they doing like the player's guide? The... No, but they've already done that, haven't they? No, I don't know what's coming no, out no. this one. No. So there's a there's a world guide. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think there's a book. Uh, there's also a campaign. I'm just trying to dig it out now. Yeah. Um, uh, forgive me. I may even edit some of this out. That makes oh, sense. Goodness. Let me have a little look. There we go. Yeah, so Throne, throne of... So we've got the Throne of Thorns um, for the Ruins of Simbroom is announced. Um, part one of the campaign uh, is coming to 5e alongside the world book um yeah but i think throne of thorns if you look at the sort of subtitle for that has that and it's not blooming seeing it i yeah, think it's actually so got three it, uh it might be two by the look of it so it looks like it's covering wrath of the warden and the witch hammer ah um, yes you're right one. there it yeah. is those two yeah. so yeah <clears throat> so yeah i guess that makes sense i mean to they don't necessarily need to bring six campaign books out, and I do wonder. No. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I do wonder whether that for 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 you know, original Simbaroom, whether a a six book campaign is a bit too much. Where you know how many how many of your players or your GMs who start with the first book see it all the way through to the end of that campaign with six books. I don't, that's, I that's quite a lot to. You know, for, when for we've been selling the... Simba Room on stands, those campaign books never sell. Yeah, we are. You know what? Well, I mean, they don't never sell. I'm sure we sell one or two copies, but they don't. But we sell never a lot, sell out no. of them, and no. we don't take many, and we never sell out of them. And in fact, you know, for the last few conventions we've been to, um, Anna hasn't even ordered any for us to to share. And the yeah. reason for that is, it seems to me that. Simba Room GMs are obsessively collecting them, so they've got them already. And then nobody wants the most recent one because they haven't got the first one if they're new to Simba Room. Yeah. So maybe there is there is something there in, in you know in having so many books about the one adventure, maybe maybe reducing the number of volumes you need to own. And also this idea of maybe I imagine what they've done with the world of Simba Room thing is they've taken a bunch of the setting content out of all those other books. And in fact, out of the whole series of seven and put them into one volume. So that may be something that, you know, maybe players will buy knowing they're not spoiling the adventures. Yes. Being yeah. interested in the world of Simba Room. So that may be a good tactical decision in terms yeah. of selling supplements. But yeah, yeah it, I've got to it, say, in terms of what we've been doing, we, we don't sell very many. I imagine maybe the pre-orders do still do quite well, but I don't know. Yeah, potentially. I mean, it just it just feels to me a bit like you know the, the momentum you have to have as a GM and as a group to see through a campaign of that scale with that many books when you've got to spend what what is twenty five quid per book or whatever. Um, maybe that is a you know strategically not the best way of doing it. So perhaps they've thought let's you know let's do it in three books for five e, um, which is probably a more yeah, it's less of a stretch for a GM to buy three books for the campaign rather than buying six. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but I'm speculating. I could be completely wrong. But um, yeah. Okay, final item on our world of gaming, which I thought was going to be a short one this year, but we appear to have found plenty to talk about. Yeah, it's going um, to be a long, look, it's been a long, long show, folks. So buckle up. <laughs> is the golden age of gaming dead? Yes. Move on. This is an article by Ben Riggs that has yeah. um, garnered some discussion on the internet. And um, most of the comment uh, has been, no, Ben Riggs is wrong. Um, <laughs> some of it has been, who is this Ben Riggs? So let me explain who Ben Riggs is. <laughs> ben Riggs um, is a bloke who actually I quite, I've quite enjoyed his content. I've not actually bought his book. But he wrote a book um, about the demise of TSR and it was quite well researched with a lot of internal sources and a lot of research. I know that even though I haven't got the book because he used to do a podcast about it as well. And it was mm. and that podcast was kind of uh, a bit like uh, his his notes or his his, his first draft of, of the actual book. So his sort of podcast lectures are really interesting to listen to okay. and drawing on a number of sources. So he knows a bit about D&D. And I think his point is with the OGL disaster of the early part of the year, D&D uh, have shot themselves in the foot a bit or Watsy have shot themselves in the foot a bit, but that the... Um, the people leaving OGL and creating their own content or their own licensed content, a bit like um, Free League of Dub with uh, with the, um, what I call the fast and light, uh, which I don't mean fast and light, do I? Um, Free League something license. I can't remember yeah. what the T stands for. I don't remember. There you go. There's a problem. I can't even remember what the license is that we're about to publish a game under, Dave. Ah, <laughs> uh, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, that may be Ben Riggs's point. Now there's a whole bunch of different licensing systems and there isn't that one critical mass of the 5e OGL driving people into gaming, critical role, playing D&D, everybody being familiar with D&D, and that massive tidal wave of D&D actually raising all the boats of all the other games. I think that's his point. He's worried that D&D <clears throat> may be broken, but will the other games and the other publishers do as well as they have been, even under the behemoth of D&D? And you know what? Maybe he's right, I think. Um, I don't so think he's wrong. A lot of people think he's wrong, but I, so I think, I think convinced yeah. he's wrong. Um, so I, I wonder whether his his comments about the gaming industry as a whole have been somewhat um, skewed by D&D &D and by actually focusing on D&D. &D. So I would mm. argue that maybe the golden age of D&D &D is dead because, you know, you've gone through these last few years, there's been so much content. I mean, but that content isn't going away now after the, out, you know, the, the resolution of the OGL debacle. Um, and you know, like you say, D and D perhaps has has raised the um, you know raised the tide for everybody, but now maybe those other games don't need D and D. I mean, you know, the Free League, as our prime example, have done supremely well without doing any I say any D and D content because they have done five <laughs> so. We've but, just been talking about Ruin the Simbaroo. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just recognise it. Sunday morning, I got a bit of a hangover. I had some wine last night. You know, it wasn't good. Um, but but they their their success does not rely upon their five E content in the slightest. The five E content actually mm. is a bit of a sideshow. Um, if it gets more people into you know the One Ring and um, Simbroom, the world of Simbroom, then that's brilliant. But actually, they're you know they, they've been successful without it. And and like you say, maybe the number of people coming to Free League has been increased by that big sump of D&D players and some of those have said, oh, what's that game over there I've heard about? I'm going to go and have a look. Um, but if you're looking at, at, at some of the Kickstarters that are going on now, um, you know, some of the non-5e Kickstarters are raising huge amounts of money, you know, millions of dollars. Um, mm. So I wonder whether even if the ship of D&D has got a bit of a hole below the waterline and is beginning to flounder a bit, but I think, you know, it'll be fixed. And in a couple of years' time, you know, I don't think, you know, D&D isn't dead. I think some of the stuff that Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast have been doing have been very poorly judged for this industry. Like, you know, trying to get a, 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 subscription, a subscription model, D&D 1 or whatever it's called. Um, mm. You know, don't buy anything, but subscribe and get everything. So you don't own a thing. So when that stops... Rent it. Don't own it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, you know, and I think that that as a model is shit for this industry, personally, in my opinion, because you know a lot of us like to have the books on the wall. A lot of us like you know on the shelf. Lots of us like to look through the hard copy books. They are things of beauty, many of them. Um, so, so I think they've, you know, Wizards of the Coast have made a few missteps. The OGL was another one. You know, obviously they're sacking lots of people. Um, so you know, maybe D and D itself is in a bit of a slump. But I suspect it'll come out of that and there'll be, you know, it won't be. It's not hold below the waterline so badly that it's going to sink. But, but the fact that that ship has basically, you know, ploughed the course for lots of the other games, um, you know, to do well. It's a bit like having a flotilla. You know, the big ship of D&D has created this flotilla that's been following in its wake. And even mm. if the D&D ship goes down, that flotilla will sail on. So, and um, you know, I think it's perhaps a bit more nuanced than just saying the golden age of TTRPGs is dead, because I think that is absolutely wrong. It might be that the golden age of D and D, or the last golden decade of D and D, is coming to a close. But mostly because of Wizards of the Coast taking their gun and shooting themselves in the foot as often as they can. Yeah, I mean, I think that was his point. It's about them shooting themselves in the foot rather yeah. than anything else. But um. Yeah, I, I, I'm willing to believe that maybe the Golden Age is over, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a perfectly adequate Silver Age coming around the corner. <laughs> um, uh, that, uh, you know, so you, know, you can look at examples, and I think a really good one here is RuneQuest. Uh, RuneQuest was, through various decisions, made very bad. Um, sorry, that, that's some terrible grammar. <laughs> uh, through various decisions that in in retrospect, turned out to be very bad decisions. RuneQuest effectively died for years, if not decades. I mean, it was kept alive by um, certain uh, fans and publishers. So Mongoose had it for a while and, and Design Mechanism had it for a while. Yeah. But actually, it then came back to Chaosium and now is a really strong game with a massive community who've always been there, of course. Yeah. So we, we talk about it died because it wasn't... In the shops, it wasn't on the shelves particularly. It wasn't easy to get hold of, 
it wasn't famous, but actually there's a huge community there who were still playing it. And now if you look at um, uh, things like the Free League Workshop and compare that with the Johnstown Compendium, which is Chaosium's version for, for Inquest, yeah. um, there, there's many more sales on, on, on Johnstown Compendium. Loads of really good work selling at quite high prices in and in print on demand as well, not just PDF. So that you know that community will always live on, whatever mm. happens to D and D or anything. There will always be that community. But I do just wonder whether the years of those big million dollar, multi million dollar um, Kickstarter campaigns may not survive under this. Partly because actually, if you look at some of those, like um, well, back to Chaosium actually. Seventh uh, Sea was one of the first of those multi-million-dollar campaigns, and I don't really know very many people that play it. Our colleague uh, and patron uh, Thomas was um, bought into it, realised the system was terrible, and has now mm. created a um, yeah zero pirate Version, system. Yeah. He's having a world of fun, uh, and not even using any of the wonderful world books that they created, uh, but creating his own world as well, just inspired by Seventh Sea. I don't know anybody who plays Seventh Sea. I know that John Wick, not the assassin John Wick, but the TTRPG writer John Wick, has now left Chaosium even, and Chaosium had to go in and rescue Seventh Sea when mm. it was uh, in deep doodle financially. And you look at Magpie and the Avatar role-playing game, you know, for something that had so much... Uh, appeal and internet chatter during the campaign and was a huge campaign that's gone very quiet now there don't yeah. seem to be many yeah. people there yeah. actually playing it so i wonder whether we're and, and of course neither of those are in any way necessarily related to D D, apart from maybe something about the this sort of rising tide raises all ships mm. uh yeah, so, I mean, they're not reliant on the license or anything, is what I'm saying. But no. I just wonder whether the, the age of those big, huge Kickstarters, stupidly yeah. huge Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, age of, the, age of, the age of stupidly big Kickstarters has been very short. I mean, it hasn't, it's only mm. been the last couple of years where you've had, you know, such big um, Kickstarters that are earning millions of dollars. Um, so maybe, you know, that was all, I mean, I mean you know... So I guess that I've got two points to make. One is, um, at the moment, on that kind of like tsunami of money going into, you know, what is a, a fairly small group of, of kickstart games, um, there's there's no reason necessarily to think that that won't carry on when you've got the right, um, you know, the right I, IPs coming up. So you know, Avatar pulled in lots and lots of people who loved Avatar who who maybe weren't gamers. Um, you know, like Alien did. Uh, you know, you've got things like Blade Runner making one and a half million dollars. So these are big mm. IPs that you would expect to do to do well. So maybe there's still a place where you know in the future you will get um, big Kickstarter numbers like that for the right IPs. But for the vast majority of us, um, you know, when we kickstart Tales of the Old West, we're not going to be putting it up at half a million quid. We're going to be putting, you know, it's going to be a low target, yeah, yeah. you know, for our pledge level. We're hoping to um, make our money back, <laughs> you know. So, so I think for the vast majority of creators, then actually, you know, it's 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 fine. Um, the other thing I'd say, I I don't think you can say you you can't say that you know there is a golden age for tabletop role playing games because that covers far too broad a waterfront. 
I think (laughs) a golden age is actually down to the individuals playing the game, you know, the game of their life that they've found. So, you know, we've Mm. said recently, we're in a golden age of games because there are so many great games out there that we want to play. There's great content being produced by, you know, Free League and others. And, And for us, you know, we've got some fabulous games that we are absolutely adoring playing. And so, yes, I think for me, this is a golden age of role playing. Um, but I don't touch D and D. You know, I don't care what happens yeah. to D and D. Well, I, I do care because you know, in the in the the, the the brotherhood sisterhood of role players, you know, a lot of them are D and D players, and I want them to obviously love the love the hobby and come over and try something else. Um, but actually, D and D as a game doesn't affect me personally because I don't play it. But it's kind of where yeah, I'm from. and and in fact. It's almost a relief if the golden age is over because there are too many bloody games to play already that I really want to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if the golden age carries on and a bunch more come out that I really want to play, I'm just going to, ah, where's yeah. the space on my shelves? Yeah, um, implode. But, <laughs> a uh, case in point, actually, uh, Doug, uh, another one of our patrons on, on the Discord, was introduced to uh, troubleshooters only earlier this week. Now, remember troubleshooters, which we talked about a lot yeah, when with, it came um, out, Krista. and it, yeah. it's right up Doug Street, and I couldn't believe that he hadn't heard of it. Okay. And the poor chaps now had to go out and buy troubleshooters <laughs> now, uh, yeah, having I've... just promised his wife he wasn't going to buy any more tra- <laughs> uh, table tra- a, playing games. That's now. a but promise course... you can never make. <laughs> so, I, yesterday, yeah. yesterday, um, a giant box appeared on my doorstep. And it was uh, a game called ISS Vanguard by Awaken Realms, oh. who, who did Nemesis. And yeah. I kind of vaguely remembered backing it probably <laughs> two years ago or three years ago. Um, and you know, the look on my wife's face was kind of like, you don't need another big box in this house. <laughs> I, was like, I, I seem thought, to remember us talking about that a few years ago and me pointing it out to you. I think I might even have drawn it to your attention. Possibly, possibly, yeah. And you'd gone, yeah, but I'm not going to get it. I don't think I'll back this <laughs> Um, but so, so I said to her, so again, my, my, my saving grace with that was I backed it two years ago or whenever it was. So it's not a recent yeah. spend, you know, the money's long gone. Um, yeah. and I don't back role play. I don't, I don't back board games anymore. I said, and I, <laughs> and I thought, have I got any more in the pot? I might have one more coming that again, I backed two years ago. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it was quite funny. I got back from walking yes. the dog and there's this giant white box and she goes, hello, what's this? <laughs> and normally, normally giant boxes on the doorstep are things that she's bought, not me. But uh... I backed it when I had a job, honest. <laughs> <laughs> the money's long gone. The money's long gone. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Golden gate. Golden age of tabletop and uh, and and TTRPGs seems to be continuing in our house. That's what you're saying, effectively. Yes, I think so. And even if the golden age is dead, there's still a bunch of Kickstarters that are waiting to deliver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the effect. It's, it's a bit like the afterglow of a supernova. You know, <laughs> the, yeah, the, the golden age has blown up, you know, even if it has. But that afterglow is still delivering gains. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, we've blathered on and we've got quite Can a we? long chat with our lovely patrons about Can I 2023. Ask? No, you can't. No, please. Can I oh, ask, God. did you say goodbye at the end of that in a way that we could just finish the programme, given I, we probably don't want to talk any more about it afterwards? No, I think we did. I definitely did say something like, may the icons bless 2024 or something like that. So, Brilliant. Yes. OK, then. So it's a goodbye from cool. me, 
right um, now. But another hello from you and the rest of the gang yes. on the actual review of 2022. Three. Three. It's very confusing having, having a, an episode number 222 and be talking about 2023. It's not that confusing, really, is it? So um, no, anyway, I'll shut up. Enjoy and Happy New Year, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special um, group in the Hammam today. And what we've got today is patrons in the Hammam. And we are talking about um, 2023 on our review of what was good, what was not good, um, high points, low points, what's hot, what's not, surprise packages and all the rest. So um, I'll quickly introduce uh, myself and then we'll move on to everybody else. I am Dave. I am one of the two hosts of the podcast and the YouTube channel. You'll notice that there's only one half of the co-hosting um, partnership here. Uh, our, um, our esteemed colleague and friend Matthew has chosen to get stuck on a train um, and he'd rather spend his evening sitting with lots of strangers smelling their armpits than coming and talking with us. So but that's up to him. So anyway, um, with that, uh, I'm going to go around this way, for me anyway, and move on to, to Millie. Yeah, please, Millie, introduce yourself. Hello, my name's Millie. Uh, I'm a patron of the Effect podcast. Anything else you want to mention? I mean, I do other things, but that's the important bit, right? <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's the important bit. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Moving on to um, Douglas. Hi, I'm Douglas. <laughs> uh, I'm Reluctant Artsy. Uh, I have a teeny tiny channel and uh, I'm a patron for the Effect Podcast. I hadn't realised you were just going to say, hello, I'm Bob and I'm a patron of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Paul. You're... We're encouraging people. It's, it's a reminder it's of how cool, yeah. 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 Uh, hi, uh, I, I'm Paul. Um, I'm a patron of the uh, podcast. <laughs> I mean, you have to be a patron as well, Dave. Matthew doesn't let you see the stuff for free. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. Scoop. No, um, I think you'd like it that way, given half a chance, because he is power mad. <laughs> uh, anyway, Thomas, please, your turn to say that you're a patron. <laughs> I'm, I'm a patron. And Thomas Bolton. That way round. See what I did there? See what I yeah. did there? I flipped that it, was right? That yeah. was really good. Yeah, yeah. Bought it in. Cool. Over to you, Bruce. <laughs> it's, also, it's also tomorrow for Thomas. So it's also he's, tomorrow. I'm calling you switching things future. around. Yeah, exactly. The water goes the other way in Australia. So if you think about it, a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm. I'm Bruce. Yes, I am a patron of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a great, what, three minutes of, of airtime so far. Brilliant. Thank you for that, everybody. Um, right, well, let's get straight on with it then. So I I, I want to kick off with, um, let's start on, on the good stuff. What's high point of 2023? And I'm going to randomly pick Millie because she made life difficult by just saying she was a patron. So, so Millie, um, what was your what would be your high point of of the year for last year? Um, I think um, 
my my like my best RPG moment of last year was um, at Aircon, um, and I ran uh, Tales from the Loop, which folks might know mm-hmm. is one of my absolutely favorite RPGs. Um, and the people playing, uh, there was there was like four or five folks, and at least two of them had never played RPGs and never played stuff before, and it was like ah. I'm gonna love this, and they were they were phenomenal. They were great. They like just jumped straight in with both feet. We saved Aunt Sybil. We, you know, and um, yeah, it was it was great. It was absolutely wonderful to to like sort of you know where that thing where you're like you can never read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy twice, but you can always give the book to somebody and see the joy when they read yeah. it. It was one of those moments, and I was like, oh nice, yeah, I love it. I so was that a scenario of your own? Or was that a published one? Yeah, it was one of my own. Yeah, it was um, the bogget. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is. It is Andrade. It's the bogget, but it's a fun yeah. one. Yeah. Crazy old auntie and weird monsters and. Yeah. So, so just to say that Millie, as Millie the GM, has done a lot of. Um, how many have you done now? Uh, some, seven, <laughs> eight. Um, eight scenarios that are on Drive Three. Um, yes. And, the... and Psych. Sci-camp. And Sci-camp as well, Sci-camp, yeah, I wrote yeah. a, a, a user so, uh, thing, Pocket Quest. I think everything so, is silver now. That happened this year as well. Nice, nice. Yeah. Wow, no, that's cool. So yeah, if anybody's yeah. interested in, in the bucket and what Millie was playing, go ahead and um, have a have a look on drive-through. Yeah, um, do. No, it's great. I mean, I've, I've, only, I've only run Tales from the Loop once. I haven't played it. But it was great, and it had one of those moments, um, which which every now and then I listened back to because it was just so funny. Um, this is going to lose lots in translation because uh, <laughs> um, probably nobody else will find it funny. But me and me and Tony and uh, and Matt were playing, and the context is there's a, a not the long o'clock news joke, a sketch where the joke is that the guy keeps saying. Um, my my aunt who I live with, and the and the, the the punchline is it's with whom I live, not who I live with. And Matthew was talking about his grandmother, who was his anchor, um, and saying, "Yeah, my grandmother, who I live with." And me and Tony just looked at each other and just burst out laughing for about three minutes constantly. And I was like, "What's going on? I don't understand. I don't understand." Yeah, and that wasn't that wasn't last year though. That was before that. Um, yeah. So moving swiftly on, who who else has got a high point they would like to share? I have the same high point, so I can make it really quick. So I did CanCon, which is our local convention, which I, which was actually the first convention I ever went to in 1986. So that's kind of wow. Where we did an Egyptian-themed live-action role-play was the first thing I ever was involved wow. in. Well, anyway, um, uh, it was Cthulhu, and it was the classic... Boys all playing, girlfriends going, no, 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 we don't play. We're just here to watch conversation. Yeah. It's a very weird conversation. <laughs> I'm never comfortable with it. Um, and I said, well, look, you're here. You might as well play. And I convinced them. It took a little bit of nice. effort, but, you know, I convinced them. Uh, and they had a fantastic time. They actually had a really, really good time. Like, they fully engaged. It was a lot of fun. I didn't feel weird watching two people watching because they didn't think that girls should play role-playing games mm. i don't know it's a weird thing very weird um anyway it was great 
so so that was probably my high point and i'm and it was um uh what was it, it was call of cthulhu mm. uh it was the uh sri lankan tea uh mansion game it's, which ended with them driving their tr- trucks straight over the top of all of the weird villagers who'd lost their <laughs> minds and rescuing people and driving down the hill madly careening away it was um a thing out of space that's right it's a thing out of space that i'm facing off against no it's good there you go so cancon presumably that's canberra con yes yes you'd never have guessed (laughs) we're a bunch of public like a whole city comprised of public servants unsurprisingly show limited you know adventurism in naming I was going to say, though, is it a good convention? Is it a big one? Is it growing? It used to be. It's quite a fascinating... It's actually kind of the example of the ebbs and flows of of the reality of our our world in the sense that when I went, role-playing had just burst onto the scene in a really major way. Mm. So it was huge. And in the early 90s, it was massive, right? It was like every... Like the tabletop miniature guys were in a corner that's uh, yeah. so how i like to think of it and role playing took over three you know full pavilions of people so a thousand people would come we're canberra we're not as big as you guys and uh but now it's like the role playing is the uh chaosium guys do a really good job there's some pathfinder stuff there's pretty much nothing else right um oh and there's 5e but does that count um <laughs> and and basically what's, three what's, pavilions what's of <laughs> yeah exactly and then there's three pavilions of um of miniatures cool now nice. so it's the complete opposite so i go and run the cthulhu stuff because it's so well organized um and actually a lot of fun yeah like cthulhu in a can in a con is awesome because no one cares about their characters so everyone's happy to die yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool just good okay um who wants to go next or shall i pick Go on then, Paul, seeing you're looking into the camera. Oh. <laughs> what's your, what's your high um, uh, 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 Yeah, uh, high point. Yeah. Uh, playing, getting lots of one-shots uh, of games that I've not really had a manage to, to get to the table. Uh, household, I, uh, I got a broken compass and household to the, uh, to the effect sort of uh, group, which was great. Um, household is just a beautiful game and that's uh, one of the ones that i uh, am happy to have uh, to to have got to the table wow. um it's yeah it's uh, you, you play it's a weighty tone, uh, it is it's, it's 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 three. Oh wow it's three turns oh, okay right right nice. so you've got you've got the uh you've got the uh, sort of like a, the background book and you can, it gives you a very good idea of what you're playing. You're playing little fairies in a house. Oh, this is the, the borrowers. Kind so of so thing, the house, isn't it? the house has been yeah. abandoned by by uh, the human, and the fairies have taken over. Nice. So then you've got like the uh, <laughs> oh, little the, That's the adventure book. Sorry, the that's the event, adventure book. Then you've got the sort of like practical guide of the house, and then you've got the rules. It's a very very simple game. Cool um and there's just some just the art and the world building in the game is just absolutely stupendous um so you've got things like fighting the great white dragon 
Which is a swan, uh, isn't it? Thick, which is a big swan. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, it's just um, you got some of the some of the locations in it. Uh, uh, there you go. There's there's the there's the basement uh, with Al, uh, which is the with with Alcier, which is basically the big uh, deck saw. It's just a really really great game, and it was it was great been been great to, to get it to the table with you guys or well, some of the effect um, patrons, and uh, it was good to get. Uh, it actually, because I'm running a campaign of it as well now on, on Thursday nights. Which is, which is that was my next question. This was, is, is it good for one shot? So is it good for a campaign as well? And I think you've, you've answered the well, question for the, me there. The, the, the saga of Fragile Peace is basically a section of um, adventures. And the way they do it, which is really interesting, is you've got like about 30 different player characters. Yes. Uh, and you play four of them in each of them, right. and then these are all, this is the saga of the fragile piece. So you play for each chapter and section, you play a different, different set of group. four characters. Oh, okay. So each of those lines you'll complete, and then you go down to the next line, the next yep. the next section, and it just keeps on going down where the characters intersect. It's absolutely yep. brilliant. Yeah. Cool. How does the um, so, how does the prospect yeah. of playing four characters? Is that four characters per player, or is that four characters in the group? In the, four characters right. in the group. Yeah. Okay. But you can so have more if you if you wish. Yeah. yeah. They give you yeah. options. Or, or nice. for the actual campaign that I'm running, uh, my players just wanted to play their own characters. So yeah. we, we sort of like have an NPC of one of an NPC of one of those four, uh, and then you know I just very loosely string them into the plot of that particular uh, little scenario. Cool. It's been going quite well, though. I can tell how enthusiastic you are about it. <laughs> uh, it's it's a beautiful mm. game. It really yeah, is. Nice. You got things like you know you've got key uh, key sets, which you basically can imagine a a, a a big key that's also a musket, or <laughs> or people fight with a needle and thread. So they literally yeah. you're throwing the, the the needle around and uh, as as a as a weapon, or people are basically fighting with half a scissor. Half scissors, yeah. Uh, okay. Half scissors, basically. Cool. So it and just the whole sort of like world building in the game is just really really clever. Nice, mm. nice, cool. Yeah, lots, and it's very simple to play. Mm. You uh, you have a number a bit a bit like um, you have a similar sort of level stats to year zero, but you, you're looking for two of a kind, three of a kind, or four of a kind, five of a kind, six of a kind. Cool. And you have a push mechanic as well. Nice. Mm. Cool. Yeah, it's good. Bruce, how about you? What's your highlight of the year? I've been doing a lot of the GMing at UK gaming um, game conventions that year, uh, especially because it's been great to bring some games I own and get people to play in them because it's hard to get your friends around when you're doing other things. That's been a great point, especially as you're getting the feedback. So running Blade Runner, running Ghostbusters, and this Western one called Tales of the West. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but maybe we'll just throw it in there. <laughs> but uh, that's been quite good, especially the feedback you get from the players, um, especially how they've enjoyed it over the sessions. Nice, nice. And it's interesting because it was a question that I was going to maybe save for a bit later. But um, so, you know, this year's conventions, a good crop, question mark? 
has it been a good year for conventions do we think i think so i mean obviously Speaking i miss as a, an entirely biased person in this thing um <laughs> considering my day job but yeah I, I mean i've been to more conventions this year than i have in previous years and they've all been been really good mm. for, for wildly different reasons like you know you went to some and it's been absolutely like, went to work on in march and that was loads of people all bustling all sort of everything and then i went to aircon northwest and that was nice and quiet and i ran something mm. really like like that i ran um what was it um last voyage of the ghazali but fast um right. so i did it in four hours i'd have to be fast we did it in four hours oh, wow. um, um but it was really like we still had some really nice moments in it um and some really like and then hope's last day i ran there that was versus like so the the my highlight of the year was at aircon prime and that was a very mm. like different because it was so big like you, you know it's not a big convention but it's a big room with with everybody in it it was like you know different but i think they've been yeah. this year that's some good conventions yeah, UK Games Expo seems to get better every year. I mean, I haven't been to Aircon. It's been something that's been on my list of places to go to eventually. Um, and then obviously I missed Dragon Meat this year. But um, yeah, it's always interesting to see, you know, do we do we feel that there is a, you know, the, the trajectory of conventions in the UK and, and elsewhere, of course, as well, is in the right direction. You know, they're getting bigger and better. And as, you know, yeah, as I think goes, so. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, cool. like I, I think there's a definite feeling now, like people want to get together. What I've sort of realised or sort of seen is, so so all the folks who who learn about Dungeons and Dragons in and RPGs in lockdown are reaching a point where they're like, okay, so all those folks who I used to be able to game with at seven o'clock on Tuesday, now I can't because they've got to make food, take the kids there, do the things, uh, knackered from traveling to and from work. We're yeah. going to get to play games. All right, but I can go to book weekend off, go to Dragon Meat, play three sessions in a day, turn around, go home. And I've scratched that itch, and now I've met some other people, and maybe they're always mm -hmm. free, and maybe I can game with them. And I think there are a lot of folks who are like connecting that way to carry on what they've, they've learned. Mm. Yeah, cool. Douglas, what's your highlight of the year? Um, my highlight of the year is also my top surprise. Uh, okay. Is the Walking the Walking Dead? <laughs> I I initially panned it, and I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna back it, and then I decided to back it, and and I I wasn't sure how I was gonna bring it to the table. I thought it would just be like Blade Runner and just sit around and, and gather dust. And that uh, that's one of my goals is to play that this year. But um, when I run a after school program for a bunch of uh, 13, 14 year olds. And so they all wanted me to offer something in the summer. And so they're old enough that they don't have jobs, but they want to be doing something and there's not a lot to do here in a very rural community. And so um, I gave them some options and I brought out all of my year zero stuff and I showed them um, 
I showed them everything from um, uh, Dragon Octomoner to um, to just a whole bunch of stuff. And so Dragon Bane, they didn't even look at it. They saw The Walking Dead, mm. and that was it. And that was it. It was like this. But what about this? This. <laughs> and so um, I said, okay. And I, I've watched some seasons, um, not all of the original, but probably about half. And I was really surprised at how it drew me back into the game. Dave and I have spoken about this uh, in a another video, but it, it was really, it blew me away. The mechanics blew me away. The enjoyment factor was fantastic. The kids really got into it, um, exceptionally so. And so to me, it was a big, big surprise because I didn't expect as much from it. And Dragon Bane was kind of my opposite where I had super high hopes for it. And I thought I'd get it to the table a lot. And I think one of the kids said, why don't we play D&D instead? And I said, yeah, but this is different and it's easier and they're not going to take all your money. Um, and, <laughs> and they said, well, it's basically the same thing. And this was one of the older, uh, the older young people who was about 15. And I had to think about that. Like in their minds, to them, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a Macintosh apple to, uh, I don't know, a Granny Smith. Yeah. They don't care. It's the same thing. And, uh, and that shocked me, but I haven't brought it to the table. I, I think that it's a beautiful game. I think the design is great, but it, I'm not sure if I was let down by it, but for me, it didn't live up to the hype. Mm. Whereas The Walking Dead certainly captured my imagination. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. I'm going to hold you there for a moment on, on Dragonbane, because um, I think maybe we can have a little bit of chat about Free League later on. Um, I think my highlight of, of the year um, might sound a bit narcissistic, and I guess, but for me, it was going freelance. And um, actually, you know, taking the leap and giving it a go. And the fact that I'm still trying that, you know, is a is a sign that it's okay. Our good man, Paul, with them dreams and machines <laughs> and building better worlds and uh, rendezvous with destiny and all these other things. So I've been super lucky with the work I've been able to do. And I mean, it was it was a decision that took was was probably two years in the making. And um, yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely. So I guess that's my high point that it's worked, and here I am, you know, nearly a year on, and I'm not being kicked out the door to get a real job again by the by the wife. So she was talking about me getting a job as a postman this morning, but you know, we'll see. <clears throat> I, I I like the fact that you're not wearing a, a couple of sweaters, so you you can afford the the heating. So that's good. <laughs> Yeah, and it's quite mild here, so actually it's okay. We don't need the heating quite so much. It's just wet and windy. Um, I mean, in gaming terms, I think actually, you know, uh, Walking Dead, uh, as, as Doug, Douglas has said, that, that kind of surprised me with um, how much I've enjoyed it and how much my my group that I play with uh, here at home um, wanted to wanted to, to keep going because we, we ran the Wolves Den as a practice before UK Games Expo. And then they all said, oh, can we carry this on as a campaign? Because we're really enjoying this. 
So that was great. That's really, really enjoyed that. Um, the thing, the next thing I was going to say, so what would be your disappointment of the last year or what would be something that perhaps wasn't quite disappointment, maybe too wrong a word, but on the other end of the scale, what would you, what, what was there this year that disappointed you or wasn't great or something you thought had potential that didn't quite gather? And who would like to go first? I could have primed you with the questions beforehand, couldn't I? But I would have had to have thought of them <laughs> before we started. The... But then there's, there's... Matthew has all the questions. Yeah. But there's opportunity for like really thinky faces. <laughs> there are. And there's a lot of yeah. thinky faces yeah. going on. Yeah. There are. Well, I'll, I'll jump in and start off. Um, I will yeah, start off also with just one thing. I, I quite find it amusing. Paul Douglas is showing you the picture, the books of everything up there for an audio podcast. I'm going to love how listeners are going to pick up on it. That, that's <laughs> hilarious. The way we're talking about it, is this going to work on the podcast? Yeah. I think it probably will, just to that. Just, just go like the Paul's house when he's explaining it, he'll show you the books. Um, no, the one thing I'm going to have to say, I found about this point, I know that not everybody will agree with it, it was one of my Kickstarter backings. I went in quite big, and it was for Salvage Union by Leyline Press. Um, I found maybe because it took so long to come out, uh, and eventually I got it, and the more and more delayed it came out, um, it didn't come out until just about Dragon Meat when it came, it finally arrived. I just kind of felt... I'm I, I really even I'm not even taking out the cellophane. Most of the books I get taken out the cellophane, and I'm looking at it just going, I'm just not into this anymore. Uh, okay. It's taken too long. I've kind of lost so much interest into it. And I think I also got annoyed with how they chose to do the adventure supplements. They tried to do almost like the way Mark Borg, Mark Borg or Cyborg, or, and all that's kind of done their adventures. Whereas something else I've kind of I know a lot of people haven't enjoyed, but I still think it works on the aesthetics. Is uh, Orbital Blues, where they're trying to keep that theme throughout in the adventure supplements, and that that to me has been a bit of a disappointment. It's one where I'm looking at the shelf and actually going, okay. "Yeah, I, I'm looking at probably just wrapping up and maybe possibly just putting a price tag on that because it's it's just." It's been one of the big disappointments from it. I'm not saying that it's bad mechanically or anything like that. It's just really the way how it's been delivered has really just been a... lost. You lost your momentum. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It was interesting when I played the beta a couple of years back at Contingency, but now it, it felt like it was a much more of a finished product by then. But it's taken the two years, and I just went, nah, nah. Right. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, anybody else? Um, so uh, my group wanted to play uh, Seven Seas. So we played first edition Seven Seas several years ago, uh, a long time ago now, uh, and um, didn't have enough players. So I invited, asked, went online, asked some people if they wanted to play, which is my usual style, and got some additional players, ran it. I hate the second edition 7C so very much. I cannot describe how much I hate the second edition 7C. Disappointing. Uh, it is. I think the problem is that in trying to make the whole, it's really fascinating. So 
they've tried to make the mechanics super storytelling, right? So all narrative, um, but it actually takes this sense of risk out of the game. Mm. Like it's really fascinating. You buy successes effectively, and then there's not really a very clear mechanic on how you get it, end up at risk um, in that. And I've watched online plays, and anyway, so we ran it for a while. It and it's a sort of semi-colonialist setting. It tries to be both colonialist and non and post-colonial, and it doesn't necessarily manage that particularly well. Mm. Anyway, long story short, and the positive note. Um, so in a <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are we doing um, moment, I decided I would create a Pirates Year Zero engine game and convert the whole thing to Pirates on Year Zero. Excellent. Um, uh, which I've done. Uh, I picked up the mechanics that I'd half-written for my Crusader game, flipped them to doing more Pirates. I've now written ship battle rules, which are sort of based loosely on the Coriolis rules, but uh, hopefully better because I don't think the Coriolis combat system for ships is particularly fantastic. Um, uh, a strong weakness, a strong weakness, a particular <laughs> weakness of the Zero Engine actually is that the Free League guys don't do sh big ship stuff very well. There's a comment to be made there about Alien and Coriolis, I think. Uh, so now we're playing in this year Zero Engine and I threw away the world as well and crafted a whole new world, mm. which is actually based on the Pirates of Drinax from Traveller, cool. oh, nice. some uh, Gareth Hanrahan's right. stuff. So they're now playing, well, like, you know, ships. So And it works completely fine. Like, you just set up wow. the kingdoms as little island kingdoms instead mm -hmm. of a space setting, and they sail around between the different ports, and they're dealing with two big empires on each side of them who are, you know, they're the cool. neutral party in the middle. And mm -hmm. it actually works super well. It's been a lot of fun. So uh, I didn't want to make my low notes sound too negative. Hmm. So I think yeah. the positive is what it turned out the people wanted to do was play a pirates game. They wanted to play a pirates game where they could swing on ropes yeah. and sail ships and, you know, hmm. sneak around in ports and try and take over other people's ships and, <laughs> you know, manage morale and all of those things. So, no, it's been excellent. No. Um, but cannot recommend 7th C 2nd edition, unfortunately. Cool. Fair enough. Cannot recommend. Mm, cool. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Now, who wants to go next? Millie? Uh, oh, okay. okay. I, we have a volunteer. Millie, you can go. Uh, right. cool. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, my sort of letdown of 23 was Act 2 of Mercy of the Icons, Emissary Last Part 2, Episode 7. You know, that, it's a book two. Act 2. Uh, it was just a bit like, eh. And it felt mm. like RPGing through treacle. Um, <laughs> and and I love the like I love the story and stuff. And I think the thing, and I'm excited to get to Act Three. Like we're going to start Act Three in the new, in a couple of weeks. I was excited for that. But the thing that got me was all of Emissary Lost Book One. It's pretty much on rails, right? Like you're you're on this like express run through everything <laughs> oh oh look coriolis oh look jungle oh look Cori you know that kind of stuff do the things ah and then the start of book two is the same oh party oh chaos oh okay yeah great and then act two is like <laughs> oh we can go over there now and so but but your players your, 
players haven't been taught that. So your players mm, are expecting no. events served to them. And then you give them opportunities to do other things. And because everything in the first book and the first act has been important, things that happen to us are important. Now, things that might be happening in other places are also important and they feel like they're missing out if they can't do all the missions. Mm. So you can't present them with a job board of things because they feel like they have to do everything. And that's not the way the time works because you're working up to the Pilgrim Aria You've only got a finite amount of time to swan around the horizon. Yeah. And so either you they feel like they've missed out on something and they're, now they're at a disadvantage because they've let the horizon down because they're, you know, you know, the saviors of the horizon or whatever it is after the things that happened in part one. Yeah. Or they're going to do everything like half. And, and so it's just like, why such a big shift? It felt so like, ugh. Do I need to rewrite this and make it a, a linear mm. path for them so they still feel like they're having the same? Or do we try and do it as the book is written? And it was just like that difficult kind of thing. Yeah. Because the, the overall story of the book is like, oh, the ending's going to be very interesting for everybody who plays. And then when mm. we get into book three, there's some really cool stuff going on there with like, you know, macro, micro, that kind of stuff. But this this one act felt like it took more than a year and everybody was a bit like, oh, but I want to do the thing. We must be able to do everything because that's how all of the other stories work. So that's my mm. myth mm. of 23. Okay, okay. I, I, can I carry on uh, from, from that? <laughs> you may, yes. Because um, mine is act two and three of Mercy of the Icons was my meh. A for the amount of time that it took to turn up because oh, yeah. uh, which is a separate yeah. problem with free league at We've the got, moment they yeah. seem to have gone terrible with their delivery but just i've got a i've got a campaign sitting on the cusp of um act two and I, i'm trying to plan the restart of that campaign because uh, it's been on hiatus for a year and a half and i, I just yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I picked up lots of threads from the back of um of of most of the icons you know where part part one because it had lots of really cool ideas in there but they didn't run with any mm. of them <laughs> so yeah i'm um, spoiled for I've choice got with what's left well. to do i guess yeah. yeah yeah that's that's one of my big uh the downsides of the other one obviously is the ogl fiasco yeah um, yeah that, that that company who will never get any more of my money and i'm yeah. not even with a name absolutely um no that, that's yeah. cool that's it's cool now that's good because i was i was going to mention that but you've you've saved me from doing from even having to utter it so that's cool thanks paul um douglas yeah well i i was going to utter it and <laughs> and i guess the start of the year was such a shock and and i think it brought um uh, to me there was a positive because um even though after say a couple of months you could see uh people online going back to the company there there were so many people who were now searching for lesser known publications 
and we're on drive through yeah. and we're, you know, trying new things. And so I thought that it, it springboarded a lot of people who were disgruntled into looking at the wider vision of tabletop role-playing. And, and uh, so I thought that was a positive. I was really shocked by the end of the year when the layoffs happened just before Christmas. Yeah. And I had, I had already uh, kind of sold all my books and, and got and kind of uh, purged myself probably about a year and a half before all of this. And so I had kind of seen the writing on the wall, but it, it was so shocking to see that everything had been completed in terms of the workload, the, you know, everything seems to be ready for, for launch next year. And they let people, they let well over a thousand people go. Right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. just heartless. And mm -hmm. I thought that that was very poor. Mm -hmm. um, my, my, uh, there's two things. One is I live in Canada and uh, I live in kind of the forgotten part of Canada because Atlantic Canada, I grew up in Montreal. No, it, you know, that's where trees, trees are there. Um, and then Halifax. Uh, and, and so um, shipping costs and shipping times, the import has been insane. Just to get something from the States here to Canada is, I mean, I'll get a FedEx bill two weeks after something has arrived. Um, I think I paid about $150 uh, Canadian on something and then had to pay about $70 in import fees and everything else. I used to think it was just DHL, but now it's mm. FedEx, it's Purolator, it's everything. And so that's become a problem. And it's made me reticent to order directly from the free league site and also the delays. Yeah, yeah. I think if I'm, if I'm looking at a, a particular role-playing game that I was disappointed in, it wasn't the mechanics. It wasn't the experience. I just recently played it. Um, I just a month or so ago, I I purchased it, and that's Rivers of London. Okay. I think it's a brilliant game. I absolutely love it. I can't wait to play it again. Um, I played it with with some of you here online, and it was awesome. And I got the book, and the art totally was uninspiring and I was so disappointed with the art and now that art is such a hot topic um mm -hmm. in the industry mm. you expect art to to be really um kind of capturing I looked at the at at Walking Dead and Household um, and I was blown away by the art. I've just bought Simbarum mm -hmm. and the art is amazing. But looking at this, Rivers of London just seemed meh. meh. And meh is probably the nicest thing I can say okay. about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but other than that, I think that pretty much overall, in terms of the quality of the publications, the stuff that I've got, I've been very, very pleased with. So yeah, uh, a friend of the show, Frank, has, uh, has obviously got something to say on it, which is interesting because that kind of brings me on to, to my point. So I was going to just mention um, briefly AI art, but almost um, 
as a positive in that the community have come out so broadly uh, against it and have said, you know, we are going to use proper art, generated art, human art rather than AI art. And I thought the whole, the whole thing with um, the Terminator 2 book with Nightfall recently, where they uncovered some, good, good I wasn't say inadvertent, but I don't think it was inadvertent, some uh, unknown use of AI art in that. And they um, it caused delays and it caused them obviously a lot of problems, but they did the right thing and uh, you know held the artist to account and got it changed. So I think whilst the AI art thing is obviously a big, big issue still, you know, we aren't talking about it as much as we were a year ago. Um, but the fact that the community on the whole anyway, has turned around and said, no, we're not interested in AI art. We want to pay real artists for their talent and their time. Um, I think that's a, it's a disappointment, the whole AI art thing coming up in the first place. But I think the, there is a positive side to it as well. Um, we've got about 20 minutes left. There's two things I wanted to cover just briefly now. For, and I'll try I'll try and keep you um, concise so we run to time. First, first of all, um, free league in 2023, hot or not? Not. On on the grounds of the yep. the, the logistics, Paul, or, or more than that? Logistics, logistics mainly. Yeah, uh, their um, replies to uh, emails. It, 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 it's now getting a lot better, but uh, in, in mid-2023 was absolutely diabolical. Mm. I mean, I, um, I... Never get things on, never get things on uh, on time. When you pre-order, uh, I could have ordered it from an online site for a load cheaper. I'm still waiting for uh, my Building Better Worlds pre-order. Am I? Wow. Yeah. They're, okay. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. It's just. Uh, look, I, 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 yeah. I'm going to say it, they are shit at the moment. Okay. Well, let, let, okay. Let's. I think, let's not belabor the point I, on that. I think we all agree. Game. Game wise, though. Game wise, I think that they're doing very well, and I think that they're hot. The the thing that I marked down on my list because I did make a little list was their website is insanely great. Oh, the new I, website. I really yeah. like the website. Their 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 revamping is extremely easy to use and and fantastic. It's a good experience. Um, so, but I do understand. The weird thing is, is that here I am in in this little place, which is very different from the UK. I would have expected everybody there to get their things before me, mm. and I'm getting stuff actually much quicker than many of you. I think particularly with Building Better Worlds, it's a really odd one because it wasn't supposed to be coming out until now. And for some reason, two months ago, people started receiving it. And then everyone, I don't have any insight. I don't know what the issue was. Um, mm. But it, yeah, that has obviously made life. Well, I mean, particularly for people like Millie, who mm -hmm. was one of the unlucky ones to not get, not get mm. it through the door. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, Do you think it's a matter of they just have grown too quickly? Probably, because I mean they'd always been very, very strong and very, very focused on trying to keep the customers happy. And I think this mm. last year, you know, you're absolutely right. There's been a marked change in in that, and I don't think that's a change in attitude or a change in you know who cares about the customers anymore. I think it's much mm. more 
I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect it's down to the fact that they've done so much stuff so quickly and the logistics of that is a an order of magnitude different from what they're used to and they hadn't ramped up to deal with it. I suspect. Mm. If I'm right, then mm. we should see an ongoing improvement over the next year or two. Um, when we have this chat next year, we can revisit this conversation and see if we're feeling happier about it. Um, okay, uh, Thomas and Bruce. Thomas, um, Free League 2023, hot or not? Um, I think they're going through the transition to a more established company, mm. um, which is always hard. Um, and I think they haven't had any really big hits in 2023. Like a lot of what they've, a lot of what they've built off is stuff that they were very successful with in 22 and 21 mm. in particular, like, you know, the one ring. And I think I'm oh, just yeah, trying to check now. Sense. I can't remember when the walking dead, you know, Kickstarter ended. So I can't remember if it's a 23 or a 22. I think thing. you can count that as 23 no. probably. Yeah. Yeah. At least for the purpose so, of the conversation anyway. No, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So it is definitely a 23 thing. So, I mean, they had the walking dead. Um, I think a lot of what they've been, you know, they're doing exactly what you'd expect. They're moving into how do we leverage out the IP that we have. Um, they've had some really big hits um, in 22 in particular and 21, which they're building off. So I guess the roundabout way of saying they're kind of where I expect they would be. I will admit, though, uh, as a personal comment, I'm probably paying playing less pre-league stuff than I have for a number of years. Okay. Um, so they're not my go-to uh as they have been in the past um most of the games that i'm running literally right now are sort of you know either my own adaption of the year zero engine or not using the year zero engine at all mm. so yeah cool but i did just back electric state which i'm very excited for because things from the flood was my gateway drug so <laughs> uh uh i'll be Cool. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't back Electric State. Uh, I think I just didn't see something in it that was that I couldn't get from Walking Dead or Things from the Flood or anything like that. I could well be wrong. I'll, I may well come to it in future, but I didn't. It didn't. It didn't get me to back it anyway. You, you could always buy buy it when it comes out, and you'll get it for cheaper anyway. <laughs> I, I didn't back it either, and I wasn't. I didn't, I didn't that wasn't, that see wasn't a enough of the from... was it, Paul? <laughs> sorry, no, sorry, no, no, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I, I, I just didn't see it being any different from the flood or from tales. I, I just, I, and I, it wasn't inspired. It wasn't new enough, I guess, for me. Mm. Um, yeah. So, Bruce, um, it's, it's interesting. Oh, yeah, so it's an interesting way. So I'm going to say it's not quite, uh, it's cooling down. It's not quite hot. Uh, it's, still a, it's still got a bit of warmth in it. Because I agree a little bit with the shipping <laughs> on, on to that side. But what we're starting to see, especially with IP ones, when we look at the Blade Runner book and the thickness of the Walking Dead book, core book we're actually seeing a reduction the only one that i would say and i know it's gonna i'm gonna feel an eagle bubble in there when i say this the little book that i felt that was quite good in content was the building better worlds one because there was so much in that from a supplement yeah 
game system wise, and this comes from a comment after Dragon Meat when I was talking to one of the players, the system is still popular. I can say that for two two things. One, Dragon Meat was because it's such a simple system with the D6 dice pool, it collects on people's minds. They don't have to remember it. So when they see the game up at the convention, they go, I know how to play or know the basics of that. And I'm also learning that from the games I've got posted up on Warhorn for Contingency. And they just, most of them have gone like that. But interestingly enough, mm. not so much with The Walking Dead. Hasn't quite filled up as I thought it might. Blade Runner's still popular, though. Because wow. that filled up the fastest. Mm. So I think cooling down, I'm hoping Electric State, when they make it, is going to be like the way they've done the content in Things from the Flood and Mutant Year Zero, where we see, and this is what I loved about those books, you get enough about the rules, character gen, but you've actually got not in a little adventure and a setting, but a campaign, a series of adventures, which is what was great about Things from the Flood, sorry, Tales from the Loop, mm -hmm. Things from the Flood, and even Mutant Year Zero. That was something, if they can go back to doing that, I think that would be a great thing for for Electric State if they if they're planning it that mm. way. I wonder if if this last year, twenty twenty three, you could for for Free League, you could class it as the year of Dragonbane, where now and this is something they've wanted to bring back to the table for thirty years, and they've put a lot of effort and time into Draco Octomana and Dragonbane and promoting those as well, particularly in Sweden, um, and whether that has uh, has been their you know that's that's been their heart focus for this mm. year, rather than some of the other stuff. I was disappointed with that. I think, I think probably, but I will comment on. Um, so they now have, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, 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 four fantasy themed settings with different rule sets. Yeah. And whilst that's very satisfying from an external perspective, it obviously creates challenges internally Yeah. with, you know, who's going to run that, who's going to write the material, who's going to generate all that content to keep all of those IPs alive. And the fact that, and I'm not going out too far on a limb, all four of them use completely different rule systems or at least reasonably distinct rule systems creates an additional challenge. Mm. So it is both a brilliant thing to do from a, historical perspective and wanting to service their internal, you know, sort of cohort, but it also creates a fundamental strategic challenge for the company in that now I've got to generate IP for four different systems. Obviously, yeah. Dragonbane, their plan is to not be the generator of content. That was the whole point. Yeah. Um, uh, but the other three, even with three, you've got a big struggle when you're a company of, what, eight people, nine people in total. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left. Um, I, I wanted just to um, have a few minutes to talk about what aspirations were for for the next year. But we've had a question from Mohammed, um, which says, "Hi, Mohammed. Maybe there's no time to answer this, but what's your most memorable role playing scene last year?" Now, if we could keep it down to a minute each, we could have a go answering that because we don't have so long. Okay, Paul, go ahead. I don't know if I was, uh, I was running Talk Eternity. Uh, I was doing a very, very uh, a quick chase scene. Uh, people were basically running away from um, a uh, a load of church police in Paris, 
they were trying to head the way to a, uh, a safe house. Uh, they'd succeeded and they'd lost one of their uh, fellow player characters. He'd, she'd been gunned down by the evil church police. And they just outside the um, the safe house, uh, and it was down to the last roll. Uh, I turned the card. It was a critical problem. So either it's a, it's a they succeed, or they have to start the chase again. Right. One succeeded, one failed. Mm -hmm. So what happened is the one character basically got into the doorway of the safe house, and as the other one crossed the road to the safe house. Police cut them off. Two police cars come in, cut him off. They, you get that meeting of eyes where the person who, who did the failed role realizes <clears> he <throat> has to run away to lead the police away from uh -huh. the safe house. And like in that sort of like your typical sort of like movie sort of mm. type situation. Yeah. And he legged off cliffhanger. Cool. And, and that's basically, so that was a pretty good scene. I think mine was, wasn't so much a scene. It was a, um, a, a spontaneous action of mine in the, Tales of the Old West game that I'm a player in that led to two months of role-playing story, which was uh, there was cholera in the town and the guy who was in charge of the town where my character lives um, had got it. And I'm a, I, I have some doctoring skills, so I went and offered my services to him. Um, but I'm a bit of a psycho, so I was just wanting to kill him. But I managed to get him drugged up enough to change his will and make me the trustee for all of his business in his hotel. <laughs> Um, but then he died, um, and his, naturally his wife didn't didn't appreciate that. So we had two months of games of me going, oh, why the hell did I do that? I don't even want this bloody hotel. It's just ridiculous. Um, in the end, I killed her, and it all turned out well for me and not so well for her. But if one throwaway line on a day when I thought, yeah, that'll be fun, and it ended up in weeks and weeks and weeks of trouble. Uh, mine very quickly, uh, running Harlem Unbound, uh, final scene, not of the current one that we're running, but the one before, uh, where the players summoned Anansi um, to face off with the Baron in blue. <laughs> and I got to describe yeah. the spiders all welling out of their bodies <laughs> um, and, you know, sort of in this place, in this moment uh, kind of speech, which was awesome fun to narrate and actually a brilliant ending to what had been a great couple of sessions cool. possibly mm. the best sessions of run all year actually nice. without a doubt it was really good yeah. it was really good uh i hit paul twice with an arrow in his foot because he's a <laughs> hobbit and uh i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a marks person uh and she she just kept on wanting to hit uh mungo for sir mungo for some reason so tour wonderful wonderful experience uh the, yep. in terms of uh, in terms of my my best favorite moment was really um this one young man uh who is like 12 and we were playing household and it was a kind of final scene and so he kept pushing his role and so his first role was a basic success so two of a kind he pushed it and ended up rolling uh, an extreme success, four. Uh, came around to him again. He did the same exact thing. 
and he got an extreme success. Mm -hmm. And then he did it one last time and he ended up running around the library. We play in a library where the windows are all, you know, mm -hmm. exposed so that everybody could see us play and stuff. And he was literally running around screaming how happy he was <laughs> that he had defeated this final, uh, this final nice. boss. And it was, it cool. was just priceless to see the look on his face was just priceless. That's fine. Uh, very quickly. Anyone else? Yeah. I'll, I'll jump yeah. in with, uh, when I ran Blade Runner at Tabletop Scotland convention, uh, I only ended up with two players, which is a sweet spot for a Blade Runner game. And because the scenario was there isolated on an oil rig with a whole bunch of people in it, they, they, the players who've never met each other built this paranoia in the character. Who can we trust in this, in this place? We're building this up, <laughs> isn't it? Do we trust these people? Do we trust them? Uh, we still need to get to the need to find the replicant that's, that's killed our, our fellow Blade Runner member. And they had a great time with it. They, were, they just built this paranoia. But the banter they played with each other as well was fantastic. When I've ran the scenario with four players, it tends to be that they can back each other up. But in this one, they knew... They were they were limited, so they really had to think about it. And I think it was the best of that scenario because it was the lesser number of players. I really I think all three of us enjoyed enjoyed it quite well. Um and that that was for me, it was just that oh god god, who do we trust when we're here? <laughs> nice, thank you, Bruce. Right, we're coming right up to the end now. Um so I did have one more thing. So Hopes and dreams of the 2024 bound to crib off a game title from one of our friends. Um, in one sentence only, please, because we've only got a couple of minutes. Um, for me, it would be um, now that I've read Blade Runner, I really want to play it and I want to get Coriolis back to the table. Millie. Um, backless Kickstarters play more games. Cool. That's it. Douglas. That's my sentence. Uh, play Blade Runner uh, and play Solemn Veil. Vale. Nice. Paul? Uh, play Brindlewood Bay and play uh, Inspire Isles. Thomas? Uh, um, use all the stuff I bought. Stuff. <laughs> yeah that's cool yeah likewise bruce i have actually had the attempt to create my own historical rpg game idea cool um as as the host i'm going to give myself one more because i missed out get tales of the old west on kickstarter and get that going properly <laughs> Yeah. So, um, thank you all so much for joining me, Millie, Douglas, Paul, Thomas, and Bruce. It's been fabulous. Um, happy New Year to everybody. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you're catching us on the podcast, and um, may the icons bless 2024. You have been listening to the Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea used with permission of Free League Publishing.